All right, one o'clock hour. It is the Bill Michaels Show. I am Ben Kenny. That is Zach Heilprin. He is at Zach Heilprin on Twitter. Follow him. I'm at Ben Z Kenny, 877-867-1670. That is how you join the show. Packers, Cowboys, Sunday, McCarthy's return. It's been the topic of every single press conference and every thought. Zach, I, I let off the 11 o'clock hour uh, before you hopped in here that I feel like for all the games and a lot of the losses, there's been a, a sideshow topic that has just persisted through every single press conference. There was the London one, which went on forever. There was the Matt LaFleur with his buddies and his brother and Sala and, and all that stuff. And then, and then you go forward. It's it just the get right stuff was definitely part of it. When, when you look ahead to uh, the commanders and uh, the lions, obviously, but then the bills, Roger says, maybe it's the best thing for us. And then they play. Okay. Uh, this week, the overwhelming storyline obviously is Mike McCarthy. And that is what is going to be talked about on the broadcast. It's what's going to be talked about forever. I, I don't know. I wonder how much that plays into attitudes entering the game, namely for the quarterback. Do you think there's anything there with Rodgers and not approaching the game differently, but having a different juice to putting this storyline, squashing it? And yes, it's only one win in the win column, but it could feel like more. I kind of feel like that's been the storyline for the last few weeks, hasn't it? Yeah, it has. And the losing streak, get the thing turned back in the right direction. I mean, that's what they've been talking about after every single loss that they've had. uh, Like, I shouldn't say every single loss. Once it hit three games, it's kind of been the talk after every week. So, I mean, beating Mike. Getting it turned around. Not ending the losing streak. I I think that there's probably more motivation in Mike McCarthy and the Cowboys of winning this game than there is for the Packers. The Packers, I mean, Mike McCarthy got fired. If he has, I mean, it, it doesn't sound like he has any animosity, but I think it's pretty clear. I read a story today from ESPN, Todd Archer, and it, it made it pretty clear how important this game is for him. I mean, there's there's family coming in from Pittsburgh. There's family obviously coming in. His, his family's coming in early. Like there's, it's a significant, significant game for Mike McCarthy, not just because he wants to get to seven and two, but because he also wants to show that, you know, he's doing just fine after being fired here four years ago. So I, th- I think there's, a lot of motivation from his side from the Packers. It's just trying to stay alive. And so back to do a corner need this desperately to have any chance of making the playoffs. That's where I think where the Packers motivation comes, comes from. If it happens to be that Mike McCarthy also takes it an L sure. But the Packers have been better off without Mike McCarthy these last three years, just because they're three and six this year doesn't wouldn't doesn't change anything. If he wins this game, doesn't change like, Oh my God, they shouldn't have fired him in 2018. It was the right decision then. It's the right decision now. And nothing that happens Saturday is going to change that. Or Sunday is going to change that. Definitely. Is there any meaningful difference between this game and everything leading up to it and what we saw with Bielema returning to Madison? No. Every that single... Was a, that was a decade. Yeah. Well, and, every way I look at it, it, it seems like the exact same scenario, at least for where the Wisconsin-based teams stand in the season on slides and with a former head coach who had a lot of success coming back in where that game definitely felt like Bielema's Super Bowl while this one feels like McCarthy's. And if McCarthy comes in and beats him by 35 points, we could see some changes. We're not going to see Matt LaFleur get fired after this week. Not Matt LaFleur, but I I would think we might see some changes. You would, if, you, you would think so, right? I don't think so. Really? What are they going to change? Well, you gotta, you gotta fire, you're going to fire Joe Barry 
for what? Who's stepping into that spot? And it hasn't been the reason that the team is losing. Are you going to fire the office coordinator? Maybe the play caller? No, because the play caller is a head coach. And your offensive coordinator is your great offensive line coach that you would love to move back to offensive line, even though I don't think you can. You promoted him just because you didn't want to lose him. Because he was like, it was either he was going to be the OC or he was going to go somewhere else. Like that was way my understanding about it. Because I think he was going to end up in in Denver with uh, with Hackett as his OC. Instead, they took the tight ends coach. I don't know. It's it's a situation where I, I just look at the Packers and, and what they are this season. They've got their back against the wall. I just don't think it's gonna, it's going to matter. Yeah, uh, here's some numbers for you. And maybe they're positive, maybe they're negative. It depends if you think Matt LaFleur can do this. The Dallas Cowboys, and this is from Zach Cruz of Packers Wire, are number one in pro football focus pass rush grade. Part of that, Micah Parsons, also a really good front. They're number three in pro football focus's coverage grade. A lot of talent back there in the secondary. However, they are number 28 when it comes to run defense. So we sit here again on a Thursday leading into Sunday. I'm going to think it. I'm watching Wisconsin-Iowa on Saturday where nobody throws the ball and wonder, you know, what if what if Matt LaFleur can actually just run the hell out of the football on Sunday? The question there I don't think is they can have success doing it is will Matt LaFleur actually do it? It's the Buffalo game plan. Yeah, second half, no doubt. But can they avoid the gaping, the massive, massive hole that they found themselves in? That's that's the question. Can the defense playing without Rashawn Gary, without likely without Devondre Campbell, without Eric Stokes, some people might not call that a loss at this point, the way he was playing, can they do it against that offense? I'm asking you. I uh, I think they could do it against Dak because I I think it all boils down and I said this I, I think to Bill early maybe to you uh, the hours are getting mixed but it, it feels like if they could stop Tony Pollard and they could stop Zeke then I think they could have somewhat of a chance to stopping Dak however I don't know how the Packers will fare against that running back duo well, and the, and the more Pollard they see the worse for the Packers I was just gonna say if they want to run Ezekiel Elliott twenty times. Packers should be happy if it's Tony Pollard 20 times that's a different that's a different animal because he's just he's a better player he's a better runner in between the tackles just a better the only reason Ezekiel Elliott is still getting the carries that he is is because your boy Jerry Jones like Jerry Jones says he's still the focal point of the offense and that's why he's getting the carries he is because of the contract touches he's yes but Tony Pollard deserves more he should be he should be running back one and 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 Ezekiel, Ezekiel Elliott who is a fantastic running back a few years ago, and especially when he was at Ohio State, it should be running back too. But you can't. The way that contract is, can't do it. I, one would wonder. One would. I'm not doing this, but someone might sit back and draw a comparison to the Packers' situation at quarterback. Except you. So, someone might. Someone, someone might. might. I'm someone not doing just, it. You're not. You are not doing it. You're just saying somewhere out in the ethos of the world, it's a possibility. Exactly. Uh, but yes, every single time Ezekiel Elliott touches the ball on Sunday, everybody in Lambeau Field should quietly applause. Now watch, he's going to go for 200 and he's, yeah. There's no way. I will confident, I will put my reputation on the line. Ezekiel Elliott is not eclipsing 150 yards. I, I would just go as far as to 100, but pure volume can maybe get him there. What, kind of, I, what kind of reputation are you putting on the line? I Whatever reputation I a, have. Is this a reputation of a guy who went one in four in his picks last week. <laughs> is that the reputation you're putting on line? If it is, 
It's not much of a reputation to put on the line. Now, if I were to say I'm putting my reputation on the line after going 5-0 and last week, that would probably be something, but I'm not going to do that. Yes. Because uh, that's, that's too lofty of a reputation to be able to put on the line for something like this. As I said at the beginning of the year, when it came to our picks on Kenny and Heilprin, I am uh, very outwardly okay if my picks suck because I kind of expect them to. Frankly, the last two times we have made picks, I've picked against Wisconsin, and they have won each game. So one would wonder if I'm actually helping them win. Are you planning to pick against them this week? You're going to have to listen to Kenny and Heilprin five to six to find out. I don't I don't listen to the show. Well. It, the, the, the proverbial one the, you. One of the hosts is very, very annoying. The so royal I don't, you. I don't listen uh, to As it. in all the people listening. So that's you, coming up tonight. I wonder when the last time Ezekiel Lode has actually topped 150 yards on the ground. I'm looking back. I'm into 2019. Still, <laughs> I still haven't seen it. So I think you might be in good shape here. Okay. Yeah, I think I think you're in very good shape. When we talk about the like the Packers 150, defense. 151, 152 against the Detroit Lions in 2018. Yeah, and not close to the player he was then. And they, I, his stat line is big into these days when he's healthy, and he is questionable for the game. 25 carries, 62 yards, maybe a touchdown, yeah. and just no efficiency at all. So every time Pollard touches the ball, he scares me. I was, I was wrong. I was, I was looking at it the other way. Uh, it's, it's actually the Eagles in 2018. He had 151 yards, averaged eight yards a carry. I remember. in a win in a win for yes. Dallas. I remember that twenty-seven twenty. One, uh, uh, yeah, overtime. Uh, Amari Cooper actually caught a ball. You know who was defending Amari Cooper in that game? My guess is my guess is Rasul Douglas. Correct, Rasul Douglas was, and he will be on the field for the Packers coming up on Sunday. One, I guess, piece of the Rashawn Gary news is brutal. He's your best defender, and I don't know what the defense looks without his impact generally. I have been very encouraged by Kingsley and Agbare, though. Like, th- there have been some signs there that maybe Goody found a player. Like, this could be a Sunday where we see, okay, there's uh, n- no Stokes and no Rashawn Gary. Like, what do we see from the replacements? And this is how low it's become. They've lost five straight. The, the season is teetering on being completely over. Maybe this is a weekend we look to some of the young replacements to say, okay, Flash, give me a big play. For those wondering what it was like to live through the 1980s, this is this is probably what it sounded like on uh, sports radio back when there was barely anything sports radio. But this is probably what it would have been like. What's play? They need to feed that Sterling Sharp kid. He he needs he needs <laughs> ball more. He needs they, they need to just feed him the ball. See what he's got. Samori Torre. There's your comp right there. One was a first round pick. The other one was a seventh round pick. But yeah, you're right. Both probably caught passes from all time great college quarterbacks. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, offensively though, I am kind of in on on giving as many looks to Torre as possible. Like I'm, I'm me, 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 yeah. I mean, if you're taking this from a Madden aspect of it, yeah, play all the young guys. They'll get better as the year goes along, and it'll be good for next year. Well, I also think Torre out there gives you a better chance of winning. I'm done with Sammy Watkins. He's not healthy. He's playing through. He's still not healthy. Let's just be, let's be fair about that. Um, that, that said, if he's not healthy, you can't put, don't put him out there because he's not any good. Right. I, whatever percentage of, of health, whether it's 80, 70, 60% Sammy Watkins, it's, it's hurting the team at this point uh, offensively yeah. where I Torre, there's that one play. 
that's what I mentioned. There's the one flash where Rodgers off schedule, Torre breaks away, touchdown in the end zone against Buffalo. That's the play where you sit back and you say, oh, there's a rookie wide receiver who might be able to contribute. There's Aaron Rodgers maybe still being able to make all these throws. I have no doubt he's still able to, but that's one in 50, one in 60 at this point. The consistency is what you need. And yeah, I I would like to see Tory out there. 877-867-1670. So that's happening on Sunday, Zach. Yeah. Before we get into the, we're going Badgers, right? Absolutely. Before we do that, real quickly here, Brad Boxberger, little Brewers news. They did. They declined his option. What? So he's uh, into the free agent market. They are paying a $750,000 buyout instead of picking up a $3 million contract for 2023. The most dependable arm in their bullpen this season. The, the guy that pitched more innings than anybody else there. For $2,250,000, they decided other options will fit in better. Apparently. What in the world? Can't blame David Stearns for this one either. Uh, no, uh, we can't. Uh, well, no, get to blame Mark Antanasio instead. Don't want to. A little bit too, a little bit too rich for his blood. No, I don't know if it's being cheap. I, I just think it's being stupid. Like if they were cheap, they wouldn't have picked up Colton Wong's ten million dollar option, right? It, you would try to bargain for a, a lesser price. I don't think it's cheapness. I think this th- this is a stupid move. Like, what does it say about the reliever market? Okay, maybe there are great relievers everywhere. Fine. Your bullpen this year was one of the biggest problems with your baseball team. So keep Boxberger around because he's one of the more dependable arms you have. And then go get other guys to add to it. Every single deadline move you tried with Rodgers and Rosenthal and Dinelson the Met who didn't even pitch for the team. Those didn't work. Matt Bush as well. Those did not work like you thought they would. So keep the guy you actually can depend on and get other guys to supplement it. I just, I, uh, are they going to try to sign him for less money? No. He's worth more than $3 million. He's gone. Yeah. Yeah. What in the world are we doing? I. <laughs> if the mood was was happy and this happened, I would react to this differently. But there's also talk, uh, and Bill opened the show with it today. There's Corbin Burns trade chatter. Welcome Wait, to a small market. What in the world are we doing here? I. It's a small market thing. It's also like... They picked up Colton Wong's option for $10 million. They could find the money. They, they can just cut costs in other areas. Where if they say Which no. Apparently they're going to do. Right. If they say no, we don't want to pay Corbin Burns. Okay. Well, then why are you paying Colton Wong? And why are you going to sign a guy like Andrew McCutcheon for $10 million? Like, prioritize the guys that help you win at least. And I uh, listen, I don't mean to bring Wong into this. I, I think he'll have a good year. This Did year... You? Felt like an anomaly. Okay. Like, he'll be better defensively. He'll be an okay. He'll be a seven hitter, an eight hitter. By no means a great leadoff guy, but not like we saw this past season. Yeah. But $10 million? Come on now. Yeah. I know Brad Boxberger will turn 35 in May. So I guess you could sit there and say maybe it's the age thing, but it's one year. And it's not like he, the, the strikeout rate I think was down this year a little bit, but I don't think it was anything to the, to the, like, level where you wouldn't want him on your in your bullpen especially i mean you the bullpen was supposed to be brad boxberger devin williams josh Hader. devin williams now by himself yeah strikeout rate dropped as you mentioned from 11.6 per nine to 9.6 per nine still more than good enough 
But even so, like, let's say you're going to go shopping on the on the reliever market. That's still a guy you'd love for the sixth inning or the seventh inning. Yeah. He doesn't need to be your eighth inning guy, but it's a reliable arm. And, yeah, the mileage is there, and there might have been some underlying metrics that say maybe the ERA will be higher than 2-9. But when I look across that bullpen, Devin Williams and him, as you mentioned, like those were the only guys that actually were dependable there this past season. And Brent Suter for a week or two here and there. <laughs> but, man... That is uh, not how you want to start. Now, do, do I come out and start campaigning for, for a big ticket bat? Can they not go, here. Go out and land Aaron Judge? Yeah, right? No. No. no uh, moves have to be made. I, this offseason is going to tell us a lot, Zach, for the Brewers. Um, when it comes to Burns, like we saw with Hayter, like, are they set on moving on, and when do they decide to do it? Do they decide to do it with Burns at this point when value will never be higher and the money's going to come due a little bit down the road for for a big package in return. Like I, I can't argue with that move being the worst thing in the world because what if you get back the best collection of talent ever? I could see that. The message it sends to the team, though. Like how it's, do you? Ex- it's, a, it's a message that's been sent plenty, not as not nearly as often under Mark Antonio than it was with Bud Selig, but it it's a message that's been sent before. Oh, it was and sent people, and people last like, season. Eh, no, to an extent, but I think it was also you're being, you're talking about Josh Hader. Yes. Yeah. Um, Hey, good news. You're looking for good news. Jackson Turio, 2022 Carolina league MVP. He's a baller. He's great. He'll be, he'll be in that trade package with the, no, just kidding. No, he'll be traded in yeah. eight years when he's due his first contract. Yeah. Uh, or, or maybe thoughts change by then. Eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy. You want to react to the Boxberger news? You can. We'll talk Brewers. We'll talk about Badgers when we return. Badgers Iowa this Saturday. My favorite game of the season always is. We'll talk about that when we come back. Take your phone calls. So much more. That's Zach Heilprin. I'm Ben Kenny. It's the Bill Michael Show. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome back. Bill Michaels show. Ben Kenny, Zach Heilprin here with you. I guess a, a, a Kenny and Heilprin special, at least for this segment and the segments in the future, Zach, because the Wisconsin Badgers play at Iowa this Saturday. And I have not prepared a, a, a pre-written statement on the matter, but I will say from the bottom of my heart, there is not a football game I look forward to more every season no matter where it is, no matter how good the teams are, than Wisconsin and Iowa. Have you always been this way? Like you you enjoy pain? You enjoy sticking needles in your eye? Like is that the type of thing that you've always enjoyed? No, I, uh, frankly not. Um, I When I first started to love college football, I was I would always watch the SEC game at 2.30. And that's the what I just love. I love how CBS packages sports. Mm-hmm. I think they're the best at it. Football, golf, baseball, basketball, all that stuff. So I was always drawn to the CBS game. It also happened to be some pretty great teams and great matchups. Since I have uh, realized the greatness and and just uh, 
attractive nature of the Big Ten and the Big Ten West specifically. I this game is the greatest because Wisconsin and Iowa have I, they've had kind of similar seasons. They've really struggled out of the gates. They've each won two in a row. They're finding a groove, and they each stand at the same five and four, three and three in the Big Ten. They're so far away from the playoff and all the things that usually dominate the college football conversation. Yet, for all the people here, all the people at Iowa, all the people that went to the schools, and all the people that follow the Big Ten West, like this game always has a lot of gravity, I feel like. And part of that is, frankly, I see so much of Wisconsin in Iowa and what they try to do. Schematically, they're different. They do it a different way. But you talk about developmental programs with you know, great hard-hitting inside linebackers, and they run the hell out of the football. Usually some subpar quarterback play, maybe more so at Iowa than at Wisconsin. Uh, programs where you see seniors have massive impacts. I, I respect what Iowa does on defense a lot. So yeah, that's why I, I'm just excited. I, the weather's going to be cold. The punters are great. I, there's not a better game this weekend than this. Yeah, man, it's the the weather is going to be interesting because it is supposed to be. It, we had weather last week, right? Some of the the wind that they dealt with, the wind and rain. Saturday night's going to be cold. It's going to be in the twenties. It's going to be windy. It's going to be miserable. It's going to be Wisconsin and Iowa football. The only thing that could make it better if that stadium was was grass. And I kind of said that about Wisconsin and Maryland last week, just how nasty that would have been, kind of like it was down at Northwestern with them and Ohio State. But it's a matchup that Wisconsin has, to be fair, owned for the last decade. They're 8-2 and two in the last 10 meetings. They they had won five straight, uh, four straight, five straight down in Iowa City, which is just unheard of before the 2020 game that was played in front of no fans or barely any fans. So it's a game that Wisconsin, I think you probably enjoy it because Wisconsin's won it a lot. And I think if Iowa was winning it the same way that Wisconsin was winning it, you as a Badger fan may not enjoy this game as much because I don't think Iowa fans enjoy watching this game because they have been on the losing end of it for so long um, for the last decade. And I think you may feel differently if that was the case. I'm just just being honest with it. I mean, and this is from... It's fun when you win. Well, in the last four or five, I, I guess they've also beaten Nebraska. There, there's not a good example, but like Wisconsin dominates Nebraska. I don't like those games as much because Nebraska and Iowa are so different in terms of football teams, in terms of where the strengths are, in terms of how they approach things. I love these games because they are mirror images of each other in so many ways, and it's a true who can do very specific things better than the other, that kind of contest, instead of where you have strengths versus weaknesses and, and, and all that stuff like Nebraska and, and their quarterback play. Yeah, You talk about how much you respect the way that uh, Iowa's defense, that, is that what you said? Jim Leonard said the same thing. He goes, we, we have completely different philosophies in the way on how we play defense, and yet I respect the hell out of what they do because they do it so well. And it is. It's much different defense than what Wisconsin does, and yet they've both been, over the years, last 10 or so, been one of the better defensive teams in the country consistently. And it's cycle through guys, cycle through guys, maybe not so much with Iowa, but cycle through defense coordinators of Wisconsin. Like it's the same, the same, you get the same thing out of it. And so, yeah, I, I understand where you're coming from. I think there's a lot of people that enjoy a little bit more scoring, but again, it's the whole joke about putting out that ESPN 
play by play and it and it's like punt 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 interception punt end of half like that <laughs> like that that is a Wisconsin Iowa game or has been at times it's a bad joke I'm over the joke and yet it is the the best matchup the best game I think I've ever been to was the 2010 Iowa Wisconsin game down there where it went back and forth and back and forth and Monte Ball scored a late touchdown. That's as loud of an environment and as best of a game as I've been to um, as a fan or as somebody that, you know, has traveled and watched a, a bunch of football in the last decade. Like, it, it was, it, le- it gives you that. And, there's, and it means a ton. And that trophy means a ton. Even though it's an ugly trophy, the players care about it. It's, this isn't like going to Nebraska and playing for that stupid monstrosity of a thing that Gary Anderson and Mike Riley put together. Or not Mike Riley, uh, Bo, um, Pelini. Bo Pelini put together and it just gets left on the sideline while the players go and you know shake hands and that type of stuff uh, until they realize, oh yeah, there's a trophy and they have to go pick it up. But this is a rivalry. Wisconsin or Nebraska, not a rivalry. This is a rivalry. Both sides, both fan bases hate it and hate each other. And I think that's what I like about it most. I don't necessarily like the play on the field. It's not something like I enjoy watching, but it's, it's fun because they care about it and fans care about it. I enjoy watching the two best punters go to work or in one case, Iowa has the best punter in the country Yeah, and he's great. And I like watching him play. Not, there aren't many other games where you say, okay, he might have the biggest impact. The only reason Iowa and getting into the weeds, I understand that. Iowa beat South Dakota State week one, nine to nine to six, I think. Uh, something weird. They had two safeties. They did not score an offensive touchdown. The only reason that they won that game is because their punter set them up to have two safeties, and and that I I find quite beautiful. It was seven to three. They they uh, kicked a field goal and had two safeties. Yes. Eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy. Let's go to the phones here. Line one. You're on the Bill Michaels show. Who do we got? Line one. Hello. All right. Uh, call back. Try again. 877-867-1670. You want to chime in, do it. Uh, and, Zach, you look at this matchup. I mean, it's also two teams that have an outside shot if they win out at actually winning the West, which is not something we thought we would say three weeks ago or two weeks ago for either. I, I think it's still a very outside shot. It's ask, it's asking Illinois to lose two of their last three games which is very possible when you think about where they have, they have to play Michigan, so that's at least one. But the other games are Purdue, who's not playing well, and it is Northwestern, who is horrible. So it, it is still an outside shot. It's also counting on Wisconsin to go out and win out, and something we haven't seen yet this year is consistency from Wisconsin. They just got their first back-to-back win of the year. Can they go and play in three rivalry games, three very physical games? I shouldn't say rivalry. Two rivalry games and, and a random trophy. Can they get through that stretch and uh, and close this thing out with five straight wins. It's asking a lot for a team that, while we think has some, a lot of talent, hasn't been able to consistently put it on the field together. Do you think they do it? No. Win? Oh, this Saturday? Yes. I think they win this Saturday. It's it's a lock for a 17-13, for a, a 15-12. Yeah, anybody that's listening to this probably should just Whatever Ben says, take the other way on it. Um, he's thirty-seven, thirty-three. He's been a little. He's been a little cold of late when it comes to picking Wisconsin games. Yeah, I, I think Wisconsin's going to win. But on our show tonight, I You're probably also, will take Iowa. You are the biggest jinx guy I've ever met. I'm good at it. Well, I mean, it's it's your thing now. It's becoming your brand. What do you mean that it's, that and complaining about 
Beltline traffic that which doesn't really exist. Yeah, um, <laughs> I'm sure the majority of our listeners uh, don't normally drive on the Beltline here in Madison, but I I have been faced with some absolute atrocities. Oh my god! In the last week, this is. You lived in Philadelphia. Did you ever drive anywhere in Philadelphia? Oh yeah, the traffic sucks, but it's not because of the traffic. It's not because the roads are are poorly planned. You're it's literally like the only person that complains about traffic on the Beltline. Well, I, like it's you're the only one on my timeline, and I follow a lot of people that live in Madison. I've never seen anybody complain about the the Beltline traffic like you. Well, I I go up and down it what uh, twelve uh, fifteen times a week, maybe. Okay. All right, that's fine. That's fine. Either way. Either way. I complain about stuff, Zach. It's what happens. It is your thing. Maybe that's your brand. Is that your brand? No. You don't want that to be your brand. I don't want that to be my brand. <laughs> but I have become good at, at, at unjinxing things. Sometimes. 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 Didn't help all the time. No. I. But when it comes to Wisconsin football, when I've, when I've picked them, they've lost. When I've picked against them, they've won. No, no better way to, to influence the outcome. You want to hear something ridiculous? Uh, I said... Next to somebody, and I'm not going to name names, the person still does cover Wisconsin football, but sat next to this person at the Outback Bowl in 2014, and his phone kept going off, like dinging. I'm like, why don't you put it on silent? He said, well, when I had it on silent, Wisconsin wasn't playing very well. So when I took it off, if I silence it, they're going to start playing poorly again. You're kidding. And I'm looking at him I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. What is wrong with you? No cheering in the press box, man. There was no cheering, but there was dumb, there was a bunch of dinging. And oh, I'm like, God. come on, man. What are you doing? But I completely understand where he's coming from if you're a fan and, like, you have to sit in the same exact spot every day, every play. And if they're not doing that, you can move to a different spot. Or if you're playing music because you don't want to listen to what they're saying on TV, you got you got to keep up playing the same song if uh, if – Things are going well on the field, but this one kind of took me off. It was a little caught me off guard because I didn't think people in the press box would ever do that. Oh, that's extreme. It's extreme. I was going to say this Sunday for the Packers, I might open a beer, I kick off, and then if the Packers actually play well, I'll just be hammered by the end. Just got to keep drinking them. But then I guess I, what way can I make it so if the Packers lose, I'll be really drunk? <laughs> Take a shot every time Aaron Rodgers looks upset. Well, and throws something or yells at somebody on the sideline. But that's not superstition. That's just playing a drinking game that you know will get you hammered. I'm talking about like uh, start starting to drink when the Cowboys start playing well. Starting to drink every time Zeke touches the ball. So there's 25 shots. Yeah. Uh, 25 to 30. If you want to be sober, do it on Tony Pollard touches. Yes. Uh, yes. 877-867-1670. He'll have like eight carries. 78 yards, a touchdown, and then two receptions for 40 yards and a touchdown. I, I feel like it'll be one of those, and then we'll just, the air will be sucked out of the ball. And I guess it sucks the life out of the stadium to just have Zeke lumbering for four yards every time. Well, I guess well, nowadays it's two. I don't know. Maybe you guys have talked about it. What kind of reception do you think Mike McCarthy's going to get? We have talked about it, and I want to touch that when we return. Right. We have to step away, take a break. The reception Mike McCarthy will receive when he returns to Lambeau on Sunday. I, I think there's something significant playing in that was not the case a little while ago. And I'll tell everyone what that is when we come back. That is Zach Halpern. I'm Ben Kenny. It's the Bill Michaels Show. A couple segments left before we're gone. Stay right there. 
covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. All right, we're back. Kenny Heilprin special, I guess, of the Bill Michael Show. A couple segments until we get out of here. We'll be live, Monk's Bar and Grill, Sun Prairie, 5 to 6 tonight. Stop on by, say hello. Will we be joined by anybody? Hoping so. Hoping to be joined by a special guest to talk Badgers Maryland, Badgers Iowa. Look at the rest of the season. If you want to see my uh, uh, terribly drawn flow chart of how Wisconsin can win the West if it loses games, it's at my Twitter, at Ben Z. Kenny. Feel free to find that. Zach, you asked when we were entering break, what kind of reception Mike McCarthy would get when he walks out of the tunnel at Lambeau on Sunday? I believe he was asked about it, and he said uh, cheers would be cool, but he wasn't concerned with it. It's a true Brett Bielema returning to Madison situation. It's where not, though. Well, different where I don't think he cares about the reception, but like he cares about this game more than he's going to talk about. Like yeah. It means a lot to him. But I also think it's the fans' aspect of it. It's much different as well. Brett Bielema left Madison... And- if Brett Bielema had come back four years after what he did in 2012, say he'd come back in 2015 or 2016, eh, 2015, he would have, that entire stadium would have booed him to oblivion. But when he, because he would have come back with Arkansas. Yeah. If he would have come, if 10 years later, he got a smattering of boos. Mike McCarthy, I think, is going to get, I, I think it's going to be mostly cheers. This wasn't his decision to, to leave. He got fired. You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't. And it was things went bad, but he's the second winningest coach in franchise history. He took to them the Super Bowl title. I feel like, and and again, it could be totally wrong. I feel like there's going to be more cheers than boos. Yes, I agree. And that factor of him winning a Super Bowl years removed, the Packers have been successful since, and he got fired. Definitely plays in. I also think because the Packers kind of suck right now, for lack of a better term. Like, I'm sure if there will be boos, they will be directed towards the Packers' offense, right? Where I I don't think people will go to the game on, like, if the Packers were undefeated or if they had one loss or if they were six and two, people would enter the game, I'm sure, with more of an attitude towards McCarthy. But because the team itself is struggling so much, I would think that would play in more to the fan reaction than Mike's presence. Mm. But that's just me. Yeah, I I think if Green Bay was having success, there would be a lot. There would be cheers for him when he came back, because it has worked out for the Packers. It's worked out for Mike McCarthy. Everything's good. Both sides have had success, so he can come back. Cheers, all good. Both sides have had I, the Packers have had success. Mike had, had no, no. I'm saying if they like if they came back like right now, say the Packers are seven and one or six and two, just like the in and so are the Cowboys. I think Mike McCarthy gets cheers more cheers than anything tomorrow. I would think there would Sunday. be, yeah, I, I guess there would be more of an energy to me of, I want it, it's a huge game if the Packers are 6-2 and two and for NFC seeding and all that, and uh, you're booing the Cowboys and Mike McCarthy runs out with them, so that's all grouped together. Where now, because the team has been playing so poorly here, I would think a lot of the attitude will, like, how are you going to boo the whole Cowboys team when they run out? I, I would expect more of the, of the angst to be directed to the Packers themselves. I guess that's where I would be. But also, I mean, it's not going to be a... I, I, I cannot see Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers being booed off the field. No. 
Well, they have been booed off the field at halftime plenty of times at Lambeau Field. Yes, I mean the entire game. It wouldn't happen. It yeah. won't happen. Like they're, when they come out of the tunnel, they're not going to be booed. Right. That's what they're I mean. They're going to be booed after they go three and out to start the to start the game. Yes. Uh, or no, I like has been the case all season. I feel like we'll get a first down or two, some some crisp passes, a, a good scripted drive, which uh, they've been a pretty good on scripted drives, even early in the year. You go to the Tampa game. They were good until they went off script. I feel like we'll, we might even see a scripted field goal drive early. Packers three, Cowboys nothing. But then it's late in the second quarter. Two-minute drill entering halftime. Coming out of half where things have really gone south. They've actually been pretty good in the, in the hurry-up. I wonder if they start the game that way. I have a really hard time seeing that being the case. I mean, they, I mean they've talked about how good they've been there. Aaron Rodgers has mentioned it. Nothing else has worked. Like, why would you not? And here's the other thing. It's not like they didn't move the ball last week. They moved the ball plenty. Very well. Very well. It's just the the ability to finish it. Well, so maybe they, again, if you want to try and pick positive things out of it, I think you could probably find some positive things, even if the Lions were the worst defense or are the worst defense <laughs> in the NFL. They moved the ball. They just didn't, weren't able to score. Maybe they're able to build off of some of the stuff that they were able to do in moving the ball the same way that they were able to move the ball against, you know, Buffalo in the second half. Rodgers has talked about uh, on, during the offseason why he I, ways he doesn't like the LaFleur offense just generally not as a shot to LaFleur because it had worked but big West Coast offense he doesn't like huddling every play because then he feels like whatever rhythm he loses the personnel packages change every time he, it, again you lose if you pick up first down first down then you keep going no huddle you have the rhythm and that's why we see I Brady and Rodgers and the great quarterbacks in two minute drills really excel because once you get that rhythm and know the matchup you like, you can keep going to it. So, yeah, he's talked about that. I, I don't see them starting the game that way. That just doesn't feel like something they would do, but I, I could be wrong. It's really uh, whatever you could do to make it consistent. I, I'm all for. I, I'm not going to sit here and say things are, things are great or bad uh, in terms of planning if they can actually lead to, a, lead to some sort of a positive output. 877-867-1670. So we, we've talked about how the offenses are supposed to be similar to the ones in L.A. and in San Francisco, right? Uh, apparently, trying to figure out exactly where this came from. Oh, it came from PackersNews.com, where an executive said that the, uh, the offense that they designed in Washington and Atlanta and now is being used in Los Angeles and San Francisco is not what Matt LaFleur brought to Green Bay. Their offense stagnant, let way less shifts in motions. Formations are more spread out. Green Bay's offense is shotgun and RPO based, whereas the others are under center and have more true play action. So it's not necessarily even the offense that they're running isn't the same one that uh, everyone thought it was going to be or what everyone thought that it is. Yeah. And I, it really feels like something where one one aspect of the offense, whether it's the line or the running game or the wide receivers, I guess you can say the same as the Rams, but it's it's something that has to build on success from every level. And when that isn't happening and the quarterback is struggling, we have seen what we have seen. 877-867-1670. We have a segment when we return. That's Zach Halper and I'm Ben Kenny. It's the Bill Michael Show. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. 
Now, in Green Bay, here's Mike Clemens. The Packers held a light practice yesterday, installing the game plan for Sunday against the Dallas Cowboys. Green Bay trying to snap a five-game losing streak. Is it hard to believe that they haven't won a game since October 2nd? Defensive lineman Dean Lowry. Yeah, it's very frustrating. This is kind of uncharted territory to lose five games for this team and organization, but we're staying positive. Um, You know, I think everyone's counting us out, except the guys in this locker room. Uh, We have very strong veteran leadership and just going to keep moving forward and try and get a win here. The offense has struggled to score. Packers wide receiver Alan Lazard. You know, we run good plays and maybe one guy doesn't do his his job too well and it kind of ruins the play and whatnot. And I think so. It's been a, a multitude of things throughout the entire year of just not being able to get the offense to be able to fully click and get things rolling. Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers was asked if he ran more plays by the book instead of making changes at the line of scrimmage, would the younger players might perform better? I think it has been by the book a bunch. I think that's where you know maybe you have the idea is a little bit off. It has been very by the book. I think the struggle has been how do we make it by the book but not robotic? You know, when it's robotic, you know, unless you have a perfect scheme that's paired up with the perfect defense for that scheme, it's not going to be open. Rogers facing his former coach, Mike McCarthy, Sunday, who will be making his first appearance here at Lambeau Field since being fired nearly four years ago. Cowboys owner Jerry Jones on McCarthy's mindset for the game. Uh, he's got some things that... Uh, uh, get under his skin a little bit. I'm sure you had all that together, and this is uh, going to be quite a uh, uh, personal uh, visit for him to Green Bay. That's Dallas Cowboys owner Jerry Jones. In Green Bay, I'm Mike Clemens on The Bill Michaels Show. Welcome back. Bill Michaels Show. Out of here in a couple minutes. Zach, you and I will be live, Monk's Bar and Grill, 5 to 6 o'clock. Many of these same stations, Monk's Bar and Grill, Sun Prairie. The show will be available as a podcast afterwards, as our Badger show, Kenny and Heilprin, always is. I urge everyone to go find that. If you're I, Now that the team's winning, right, there's some juice there. Maybe they're alive in the West. We'll talk about their path in the West. Find the podcast. There's some, there's some big stories that are on the horizon as well, maybe, that... Uh, we will see. Uh, we'll see if we touch on, but I uh, can't wait for that. Bill, I likely back tomorrow. I uh, we'll see. Check in, but Packers Cowboys coming up on Sunday. I, I, I wonder, so uh, the whole commanders thing happened, Zach, and uh, this is where my brain goes. Every time Bill's show ends, a story drops Oh, at, at exactly 2 o'clock, mm-hmm. usually, yeah. so that Bill can't talk about it. Okay. Right? At least that's what we go by. Sure. Um, so I wonder, you know, they dropped the commander's thing. I, I wonder if there's a big news dump on the horizon when it comes to anything. Anything. You have you have Jeremy Fowler throwing in a, a, kind of like a, like a, a throw-in end-of-article comment that the Packers wide receivers don't like Rodgers because he's using them as a scapegoat. I don't I, – I just wonder – I wonder what could come out. That is all. Yeah, I mean, uh, there are there are rumblings. There are rumblings of something coming out, isn't there? Um, all right, well, I, I'm talking about the Packers. I, I'm, I'm not talking about the Badger thing. That is uh, <laughs> being monitored. Uh, listen to our show. I, I, if you're confused, Kenny and Halpern, 5 to 6 uh, tonight, find the podcast. We'll, we'll talk about all that stuff. The situation is being monitored? Yes. Okay. I, I'm monitoring many situations. Sure. Uh, we have the... Well, you got to. We have the merging of Kroger and Albertsons. Um, grocery stores that we're monitoring big big disaster for people that frequent those places none of which are here because I don't think they have locations here 
Okay. Uh, big turkey shortage. Oh, really? Yeah, because a, a flu. Uh, it took out the turkeys? Took out millions of turkeys. Wow. A, a Christmas tree shortage because 20 years ago, people planted fewer Christmas trees. Really? Yes. Uh, no, th- th- there are a lot of things that, that we're up on on this show. Okay. I had a big car chase in L.A. last night. I did see that. Which I I, I was watching while we were doing the huddle. Oh, it was, it was crazy. Um, but the guy was a freaking Cowboys fan. Mm. So, Packers cover. You think he'd be able to drive in the belt line without complaining? <laughs> I Maybe he is a part of the problem with the belt line. We'll see. <laughs> All right. That's going to do it for us, Zach. Thank you so much for filling in. I'm Ben Kenny. It is the Bill Michaels Show. I will talk to you tomorrow. Maybe it'll be Bill. We'll see. But until then, see ya. The Bill Michaels Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.